Your show was better when you had medical questions. AIDS! Can you please stop bullshitting and get to the question? Scorn and defiance. Slight regard. Contempt. And anything that might not misbecome the mighty sender, doth he prize you at? If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, from downtown Bedabler City, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medicine provider, gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And my partner in all things, Tacey. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347 Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your health care provider. All right, very good. Don't forget to check out stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com. By the way, whoever bought 20 grand in office furniture using stuff.drsteve.com, I love you. Let me know who you are. I love you, too. And if you could just tell me, like, one of the things that you bought, I'll send you some merch. Just because, you know, we'll have awesome. people going, oh, I'm the one that sent that to you. Anyway, we really appreciate that. That's going to help a lot for uh, the old Christmas uh, this year. <laughs> but thank you for doing that. Stuff.drsteve.com. Uh, check out roadie, R-O-A-D-I-E, .drsteve.com. This is the time when you're starting to think about the holidays, be it Hanukkah, be it Festivus, be it Kwanzaa, be it, you know, Eid, be it... Um, uh, Christmas. Chris, oh, yeah, Christmas. Thank you, Casey. Give yourself a bell. Um, then uh, you were looking for gifts and roadie.drsteve.com. Very inexpensive gifts for the guitar and bass players and mandolin players in your life that they will absolutely love. And if you have an instrument and you don't know how to play it, they now have the roadie coach and it'll teach you how to play. So, uh, Carissa who has been on the show, uh, has a roadie coach because they, they sent us a trial one and she's learning to play the ukulele. Now she promised that she would come in and, um, 
uh, play a, a duet with us or, a well, a, a trio with us, mm-hmm. whatever. We're in song. She's going to do a song with us right. on the ukulele. I know. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. She's never touched an instrument in her life. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Complete ineptitude when it comes to music. So check that out. Rody, R-O-A-D-I-E dot drsteve.com. Or just go to stuff.drsteve.com and scroll down. You'll see the Rody tuner. Uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. And then um, Tacey and I do a Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine, which is loads of fun. It's exclusive content, stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And uh, really... Uh, if you call in a question and for the Patreon show, 100% of those get uh, answered, unlike the regular show where we're going back and listening to voicemails from from 10 years ago or even longer sometimes. So, all right. Anything else? Oh, and Cameo. Let me do Cameos for you. I love to do them. They're cheap. I'm the cheapest Cameo on the platform. I would charge nothing if they would let me. It's just for fun. But all the money goes to a very worthy cause. It goes straight into my ham radio uh, bank account that's in a different bank where, you know, I'm going to buy my antenna and stuff to do moon bounce from. So um, very good, um, a very good um, cause. <laughs> Yeah. To further the cause of ham radio. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking, Tace? Is, um We should hunt down the old Ron and Fez bits where they used to do Dr. Steve's wife. Do you remember that? <laughs> because um, the first time you met Ron Bennington outside Bar 9, he gave you a, a ration of shit, and very good-natured, mm-hmm. that uh, was... Uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then he took it to the air, and uh, you had um, Dr. Steve's racist wife, (laughs) (laughs) anti-Semitic wife, (coughs) which, of course, Stacey is none of those things. And then um, we had the East Tennessee Ed thing, which is our friend Todd, who went on a blind date with Fez, but neither one of them knew it. And there was that whole thing, which the one time that I've heard... Ron laugh uncontrollably was during the East Tennessee Ed thing. <laughs> so I think that um, we need to dig that stuff up because that was fun. Those were early days. and uh, Fun times. Yeah. Before the whole uh, joint Saturday night show that led to the downfall of our partnership. But that's a whole other story. I, w- I would tell that story too. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it would be uh, it would be loads of fun to do that because <laughs> Tacy was kind of uh, um, a topic of conversation for quite a while. <laughs> anyway, all right, that was then. This is now. This is now. Do you have uh, topics for us today? Of course I do. It's Tacy's time of topics. A time for Tacy to discuss topics of the day. Not to be confused. <laughs> I think that's probably <laughs> enough of an intro. <laughs> the intro is going a little long. By the way, that is Carl Hamburger from uh, WATP on the guitar doing the Harrison Young theme song, which was he was challenged to do, and he rose to the challenge. He's quite a brilliant guitarist, yeah. despite what certain people say. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. So, short-term exposure to air pollution can raise stroke risk. What? 
the risk of stroke increases by as much as 30% within five days of being exposed to air pollution. What kind of air pollution? Well, let me get to that. Okay, there you go. Researchers looked at 110 observational studies from around the world that noted when strokes happen and the concentrations of common pollutants in the air within five days, people having a stroke. It was a meta-analysis published in Neurology. Air pollution's impact on human health extends beyond the lung and eyes. It also involves the brain and cardiovascular system. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, So what they did was this is one of those studies like, does a full moon cause uh, more babies to be born? Because they're the OBGYN people tell you, oh, yeah, it's a full moon. You can sure tell it's full moon. We had a crazy night. It turns out that's actually a confirmation bias. That if really? they have a crazy night and they go out and they see a full moon, they'll go, yep, see? But any other night they have a crazy night, if they don't see a full moon, they don't think about it. Huh. And because they've done studies on it, and full moon's got nothing to do with any of that shit. Isn't that wild? <clears throat> now, the term lunacy comes from the moon cycle, but it wasn't that kind of moon cycle. It was women's moon cycle, and lunacy was... A uh, way of trying to figure out An what egregious understatement. The hell caused <laughs> PMS. Oh, come on, <laughs> shitheads. Uh. <laughs> uh, to explain PMS because right. it would come every 28 days on average, and the moon comes every 28 days. Everybody thought that the moon and uh, PMS were somehow related, and the, hence the name lunacy. Um, so the, what they did the same thing with this was they we have lots of data on uh, air pollutant levels going back decades, and we have lots of data on stroke incidents. So you can just mush the two together and see if there is a correlation. You can't make a statement that there's causation involved. But what they found was it was short-term exposure to nitrogen dioxide was linked to 33% increased risk of death from stroke, which sounds as huge, but what were the absolute numbers? Did they give the absolute numbers in that taste? Hmm. Um, just 18 million cases of ischemic stroke. Okay. The most common type of stroke, which is caused by blood clot traveling to the brain. Correct. So if um, so, so 18,000 in a year? Is that what they're saying? That's the 18 incidence? million cases. 18 million. No, the meta-analysis included 18 million okay. cases, okay. so they did not give a time period. <laughs> Researchers okay. found that the stroke risk was nearly 30% higher when people had been exposed to nitrogen dioxide up to five days prior. For carbon monoxide, the risk was 26% higher. For sulfur dioxide, 15% higher. And for ozone, 5% higher. And, of course, they are... T- turning this around to to make it a discussion of what? Climate change? <laughs> yep. I believe that is bell-worthy. Yeah, I believe it is. No, that's... Give myself a bell. <laughs> you get the bell. There you go. But, of course, it's... it's, it's Turned around to be a discussion about climate yes. change. Short-term exposure to nitrogen dioxide was linked to a 33% higher risk of dying from stroke. For sulfur dioxide, it was 60% higher. Oh, what is the absolute number? So I gotta know. I gotta be able to calculate the number needed to harm. Well, tough shit. <laughs> now I'm looking for the. <laughs> okay, I'm looking for the uh, for the article itself. 
And while you're doing that, I'll see if I can crunch the numbers real quick. If I can't, I'll do it on a future show. But might be a good one for my uh, medical journalism criticism uh, show. This Ooh. is, a, I thought, was very interesting. Um, a new depression drug avoids unfortunate side effects. Really? That others have. It, is it called ketamine? No, it's, <laughs> um, it's FDA approved, and it's a new drug. It's not out yet. Okay. Um, it's created by the Houston-based drug maker Fabre Kramer. The drug will be the first and only approved antidepressant with a novel mechanism of action that selectively targets the serotonin 1A receptor. Yeah, it's still serotonin, but anyway, yeah, okay. Other types of antidepressant medication, um, you know, you get sexual side effects and weight gain, um, the company said the most frequent side effects found in the trial involving 5,000 people were mild and brief ex- periods of dizziness and nausea. And it's called EXXUA. Mm. Is that the brand name or is that That's the That's the brand name. name. And it should be available in pharmacies E-X-X-U-A. by early 2024. X-U-A? I guess so. Wow. Now, the FDA did turn down these applications three times because of failed studies. So. Yeah, that's that's a little uh, concerning Alarming, to me. Yeah. Decades-long regulatory odyssey ends with FDA nod for Fabre. F- it can't be Fabre. Is it Fabre Cromer or something like that? De- Depression Med Exua. Why did they fail? Okay, it was rejected by the FDA twice. Three times yeah. since really? the turn of the millennium. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the uh, generic name of it is Gepirone, G-E-P-I-R-O-N-E, and yeah, it selectively targets serotonin one A receptor. Okay, so I'm I like the, being more selective mm-hmm. because what we're doing is we find a bunch of depressed people and we biopsy their brains and say, oh well, there's there's more or less levels of serotonin in these patients' uh, brains. So instead of targeting the actual circuits that are firing in a maladaptive way that make you depressed, maybe it isn't maladaptive. Maybe there's a survival benefit to it. We don't, you know, it could be. Um, then we just dump buckets of serotonin into their brain with these reuptake inhibitors. So what happens is the neurons uh, release serotonin, and instead of being uh, brought back, the, those cells are very efficient. They recycle their mm-hmm. neurotransmitters. So once they've sent the signal, then it's reabsorbed uh, or re-up, there's reuptake of it, and then they can use it again. Well, this just stops the uh, cells from retaking them up, hence the name reuptake inhibitor, and that causes a functional increase in whatever. Uh, neurotransmitter you're talking about. So if it's an SSRI, that's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, it'll just increase serotonin. Okay. If it's an SNRI, then it's serotonin and norepinephrine. Gotcha. So uh, this uh, is even more specific. It's just, it looks like it's targeting the receptor itself. It may stimulate it, which was, you know, that's a different way of doing it. And it seems less like a sledgehammer, mm-hmm. you know, just throwing buckets of chemicals into somebody's brain. So we'll see. Right on. Yeah. It, it also says that um, I found this interesting. The number of Americans with major depressive disorder rose during COVID. Yeah. 
with about 30% of adults in the U.S. having it. Oh, that's a huge number, isn't it? It is. I believe it. I do, too. Being one of them myself. So, so here is just, I'm just going to read a story and then just see what your thoughts are, and then, and then we'll just go from there. Okay, um, and by the way, I tried to crunch those numbers on that study. I can't get the full text, so I can't see the original data, and sometimes that's done on purpose. Because it's way cooler to say 30% increase than it is to say, you know, the risk is like 0.0001. So I'll try to get those numbers maybe and uh, see if I can, if we can crunch them. At some point, I'll get the full text. We'll be able to do it. Anyway, go ahead, Taze. Okay, so um, this lady, Rita Conrad, was just saying goodbye to friends in a parking lot of a Mexican restaurant. But she began to feel fatigued and uncomfortable. She assumed it was late hour or maybe the enchiladas she had, but when she got home, she started feeling discomfort in her back, shoulders, and chest. Okay. It wasn't a sharp stabbing pain. It was more of an uncomfortable squeezing. Correct. Then the squeezing got worse, and she started dry heaving. Her husband wanted to take her to the ER. She insisted, I'm just tired, took an aspirin, laid down. Her symptoms eventually stopped. Um she was 51 and in good health, and then uh, she was having an unusual type of heart attack called Minoka that puzzles doctors and affects women more often than men. Spell that. M-I-N-O-C-A. It's myocardial infarction with non-obstructive carter- oh, coronary okay. arteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's no blockages, so a lot of times right. doctors d- just Yeah, they'll do a cath and home. it's like wide open. Yeah, and um, there's another related condition called Inoka ischemia with non-obstructive coronary sure. arteries. And it has the same system symptoms, but it's usually without the heart attack. So um, it says that may account for 25 to 30% of all heart attacks in women. And a lot of times these patients are sent home because... Yeah. Um, because it's just some woman complaining, and 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 they don't know, <laughs> they don't know what it is. But it turns out. Um, I mean, I'm saying they're saying that. Not, I'm no, not. No, saying. You, of course, right. no, that'd be weird. It, it turns out. Let me let me find this. Well, um, see, these things are lumped in. We used to just we used to call it something different, and but the one that I was familiar with were the uh, Prince metal type uh, uh, causes of heart pain and heart attack, which is spasm of the coronary artery. And you can have spasm of the coronary artery without any blockage. If you have a little bit of blockage, it can turn it into a big blockage. Now they're saying this Minoka um, can be caused by um, uh, plaque that's there eroding rather than rupturing, or it could be the vasospasm. So this is sort of a broader category. Hmm. Yeah, and and it's in the smaller vessels also. Right, right. It's where the plaque is. That's right. It would be they would be more um, vulnerable to this. Yeah, and and it says it could be due to hormones, hormone therapy, or the simple fact that women are physically smaller than men. Yeah. Well, men can get prismental angina, too. But you treat that with a calcium channel blocker, at least we used to back in the day. Anything that will keep those arteries from spasming. So it's just something to look out for. I mean, if you're feeling it and if you're having these symptoms, you know, you need to get it looked at. Even if you're 
tests are clear. It just goes to show you that you can do all the tests and everything shows you a certain thing and you can still be 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. I used to take people into a room when I was um, uh, teaching at one of the medical schools. We had a, a classroom that was in the hospital. And I would have a patient that had something like, let's say, idiopathic hypertrophic subaortic stenosis, which is, um, is a, exactly, exactly. It's um, a form of reduced blood flow caused by enlargement of the heart. And it causes a characteristic murmur. That, and everything that the students would go in and they would listen to this person's heart and I would tell them their symptoms. And then we'd go downstairs to the blackboard and I'd say, so I characterize the, the, uh, the uh, murmur. Well, it goes up one, you know, and then gets smaller again. So crescendo, decrescendo. Instead of, it'd be like, okay. So that's crescendo, decrescendo. And it, where did you hear it? Well, we heard it on the right sternal border, on the right side of the chest bone. Mm -hmm. And did it radiate anymore? Yeah, it radiated up into the into the neck, into the carotid arteries. And so we'd go through all this. What is it? And they'd say, well, it's aortic stenosis. We'd go all the way around. Aortic stenosis is caused by a calcified valve that causes narrowing. And it's all the same. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. And uh, we would go through, everybody agree, this is aortic stenosis, yes, yes, yes. And then I could then make the big pronouncement, well, you're 100% wrong. Yes. <laughs> so it just shows in medicine, all the evidence can point to something, you could still be wrong. So you have to just always keep that in your head. Yep. Just because somebody isn't presenting in a textbook manner. For example, we love the calcium score. Mm -hmm. Uh, you go in and get a CT scan, they, they look at your heart, and they can tell you how much calcium is in there, and they'll scale you on a scale from zero to, what, 10,000 or whatever, and anything over 400 that you're going to take a look at. Well, you can have a, a zero and still have plaques in your heart that could cause a, um, a heart attack. They're just not calcified. Hmm. You know, yep. so you look at that. Remember, those kinds of things are screening tests. They're not definitive tests. Right. You know, so anyway, in, a, in this thing, this Minoka that Tacey's talking about, which, by the way, you should get a bell. Give thyself a bell. It's a good one. Oh, well, it's stimulated. We just killed, you know, another five minutes talking about it. So anytime <laughs> you do something like that, you're going to get a bell. Uh, they... Uh, even cast these people and go, nope, totally normal. Huh. You see you later, and that's the completely wrong thing to do. That's something. So. Yeah, you know, we had a we we had a friend like that a couple years ago that that had a perfect everything. Went and had a um, perfect everything. He was perfect health, yeah. no medicines, no nothing. It had gone to his cardiologist, had had normal EKG, just a normal kind of yeah. Um, yeah. Was playing golf two days later killed over just just dropped dead way to do it though tag. yeah he had a shot he was the last one to hit a shot um this is is four or five guys he was playing with they had all hit he hit everybody turned and walked off and they were all kind of about halfway down the fairway and they're like where's blank and poor thing he was he was gone he was on the on the uh, tee box wow he was gone well oh, doing terrible. what you care about yeah. what the hell yeah you know it's a surprise to everybody oh, but heck yeah um my uh 
I had a friend I was talking to yesterday, and he said that um, he had a family member that all they ever wanted to do was play golf at this one place. They played golf all over the place. It was like collecting stamps for some people. Sure, sure. They were collecting uh, gol- golfing, and their their the pinnacle of their place that they wanted to play was this famous golf course. I don't know if it was Augusta or where it was. So they played, sat down. Uh, they gave the person, you know, uh, two fingers of uh, whiskey, you know, to enjoy at the 19th hole right on. and died right oh, then. Oh, goodness sakes. So you know what? Not so bad. No, no. Colonel Bruce Hampton, he did that. Don't know who that he, is. He's a, he was, he's kind of the, kind of the godfather of a lot of the jam band scene. Oh, um, God. Kind of the head. Yeah, yeah. I want to taste his yeah, no, favorite people. I love people, it when bands jam, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I guess, I guess. It's do like I get, enough already. I get, a, I get to lose another bell, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, um, but now he, he was playing, they were playing a concert uh, like New Year's Eve and he was with all of his, you know, the, the, the Teskey Trucks band and, yeah. and, um, um, I think some of the guys from Widespread Panic, and they were all just jamming in this stage, and they got done, and he had a heart attack and died on the stage wow. at the end of the show, at the very end wow. of the show. just was gone. Isn't that crazy? I wouldn't mind that. No, no. Except if it was one of our shows, I'd be pissed. Oh, I'd be pissed. Because Scott like, tried to do a damn solo. I'd be like, key. hell, I've got, yeah, I've got to carry all this shit out of here <laughs> by myself. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know how to unplug all this shit. <laughs> Speaking of Scott, check out his website at simplyherbals.net. Yes, yes, simply I need to make a purchase a myself purchase. of yes. some uh, CBD nasal spray. I'm right on. I use it every day. Yep. It's the best stuff in the world. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, thank you, Tacey. Good Those job, were good. Tacey. You. Yep. Bell freak. I'm sorry. You bell, you bell ho. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, up until recently. Number one thing. Don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you, Ronnie B. What we've been doing is um, going back to 2014 and doing calls that we haven't done. And Tacey said, well, what about people that are calling in now? It's like we probably should do some of those. So I'm going to do these blind as well. I have not pre-screened these. If we have to stop recording so I can look something up, we will. But we'll try to do this old school. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey, buddy. Love you. Love the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Long time, but first time in a while. Hey, thanks, man. Nice to hear your wife on the line, too. Oh, that's nice. Perianal abscess or thrombosis. Yes. Let's talk about them. Okay. They're fucked up. Yeah. Go to an urgent care and an RN doesn't know shit that's going on about them. No, 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 no. That That is true. So I, if he has a perianal abscess... That is a surgical emergency and needs to be, and particularly if it's an ischiorectal fossa abscess, which is takes up just about your whole ass, your whole ass. Yeah. And if you've got a hard, red, boiling hot, you know, uh, abscess in your ass, I'm not talking about like a zit. Mm-mm. This is fluid-filled. Mm-hmm. Those things can move because ass meat is juicy, and the the um, pathways between the ass muscles is a great pl- way for bacteria to move around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I made the mistake once when I was very new, I had to get, um, of trying to drain one of those in my office and then sending the guy to the hospital because he was in so much pain. Oh wow! Okay, I got just buckets of pus out. But by the time he got to the hospital, he was septic and mm. needed to have IV antibiotics, and it delayed his surgery. So don't do that. Let a professional do it. But anyway, mm. let's, let's Sitting on one for 1,200 miles driving. Oh, That's Jesus, fun, dude. too. Oh, what no. the fuck? Do I need to go see a proctologist? Or- yes. They're the ones that know how to deal with this. Or, I don't know. My local GP was booked out for about seven or eight days, so... I get to see the RN in the morning after I get home. I'm guessing this guy is either um, an expatriate or lives in a place with socialized medicine, just given the accent. So. This shit's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. I had a bit of a... But even in socialized medicine countries, or well, particularly there, uh, emergency care is excellent and it's free and you can get in. And this is an emergency, if it's what I'm imagining. Hard push on a who a few days ago and it oh. started from then. Yeah. Uh, I did my own WebMD research, but uh, love to hear your thoughts on one. Okay, so the other thing that this could be then is rather than one of those big giant um, abscesses is he could have a smaller abscess that is caused by this giant stool that he passed that caused irritation or even a a small tear in the... Uh, rectal wall Mm -hmm. that is now infected and working its way to the outside Mm -hmm. and it'll eventually cause a perianal fistula Mm -hmm. and now that's not necessarily a medical emergency but um, a proctologist needs to certainly can be pretty uncomfortable too (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my goodness to say the least you ever dealt with those Uh, personally yes 
not uh, not 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 the complete fish shilla, but 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 I have unfortunately had the uh, the uh, opportunity to to um, experience the um, abscesses and the uh, um, um, rectal fissures. Yeah, but but thankfully not not the. Um, now, did you ever have the tenon? Uh, no, no. Okay, you Didn't want to have explain to have what that is? You know what it is, right? It, when they run the, the wire through there and then pull it out the other side. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like a zip It's like a zip tie. It's like a run. zip tie. Yeah, you can use zip ties. I think yeah. they use a thing that's like a zip tie. So yeah. what the, the surgeon wants to do is if you have a mature fistula line mm-hmm. coming out of your ass, you know, the ass meat, sure. uh, uh, <clears throat> there will be a connection to the inside in the uh, rectum somewhere. Right. So they want to take a wire and work it all the way up there very gently without poking into the tissue. You want to go through that track. Yeah, follow the tube. Follow the tube all the way into the rectum, pull it back out. Now you can use that wire to drag something like a twist tie in there. And when we say twist tie, they've got surgical stuff. Sure. But it's called a tenon. And you, you go in and then you tighten it up. And so you have this thing, just imagine, it's kind of hard to imagine, like you have a twist tie, it's coming out of your anus, Mm -hmm. crossing over to where the hole is, right? and then it dives into your ass, you don't see it anymore, but it's going (laughs) in to your ass and coming back out again inside your rectum. Mm -hmm. And then that's where the loop is. Making a loop-de-loop, yep. Oh, And what you do... Is you keep tightening it. Yeah, just a little at a time. Like little braces. Kind of like right. braces. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, there you go. South of Bell. One to so, 75. So um, you tighten it a little bit at a time, and what it does is it drags that fistula track with it. Right. And uh, it will heal up behind it. And so the fistula gets closer and closer and closer to the rectum until it becomes one with the rectum, and then you pull the thing through, mm-hmm. and then you got to let it heal up. It's like having the worst rectal fissure in your in your imagination. Yeah. But that will get rid of the fistula, and uh, once it heals up, then you're good as gold. Otherwise, they're really hard to get rid of because they're infected. You can't just go in there and just cut the the fistula tract out because it'll still be infected, and you're just making a bigger one. So anyway, proctologists are awesome. Find a proctologist that can take care of this. All right? Yep. Okay. Uh-oh. No. Dr. Steve. Yes. Terry. Uh, that is, I'm going to guess that's Terry Boudreaux. Let's see. I had to recognize the voice. Otherwise known as the Boudmaster. Yeah, there, everyone you, there you go. I give myself a bell. Um, I have a quick question. I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you talked about Tareen. Um, Tareen. I would, Tareen. My, my biggest Probably. question is whether or not it would have any issue with either my trileptol that I take or um, my epilepsy. Please let me know. Thanks very much, and I hope you all have a lovely day. Peace out. Oh, Tori. Tori, yeah. Tori. The supplement, yeah. Okay, because a Tareen is a loaf of force meat. <laughs> yeah. That's that- the definition of a Tareen. Aspect, it's like pate. You cook it in a covered pottery mold. Gross. In a bain marie, in other words, a uh, steam bath, and it makes a, it makes like baloney. 
It's like it's it's sort of like highfalutin bologna. <laughs> you take a bunch Gross. of meat and spices and stuff and mush it up. You stick it in there with some gelatin, oh, and then you heat it up. And then when it comes out, it's like a loaf, and you can eat it. And it's I've not 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 for me, but anyway. Um, so taurine is what he's talking about. I tried taking taurine because it said. Uh, there was an article that said it may be the fountain of youth, and right. I'm always looking for anti-aging Helps stuff. Helps with aging, right. So I took 1,000 milligrams of taurine, and once... Oh, no. Once. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And I thought I was going to crawl out of my skin. Oh, really? So it's the stuff that they put in energy drinks. I used to think, oh, well, this is, right. you know, they just put that in there. Everybody puts it in there. It doesn't really mean anything. We should get Richard and uh, Shatai on the show because there are energy drink experts yeah. uh, on the research on taurine. Now, I wouldn't mind trying maybe 250 milligrams of taurine and then working my way up to 1,000, but I went to see my shrink that day, and I had taken the taurine, and back then I was still taking the modafinil every day, mm-hmm. and I was l- almost manic. You know, I was... Uh, there's a thing called akathisia where people are... Uh, you have sort of like body psychosis where they're just bouncing around the room. They can't sit still. And that's how I felt on that stuff. So now um, he's interested in taking the taurine. Does it interact with his trileptol? And uh, taurine is a um, an amino acid, right? Yes. Yeah, all I know is it's a supplement that they've studied a lot for energy boosting and for brain. Well, I guess it's not an amino acid. It's a... Um, it's a prote- uh, proteinogenic amino sulfonic acid. Take a acid. bell away. Yeah, I'm taking a bell away Dang from myself. It. And, uh, but it occurs naturally in foods with protein and stuff like that. And hmm. we use taurine for uh, movement in cells and things like that and energy production. So that's why they start putting it in there. But um, I'd have to look and see taurine, uh, drug interaction. There is a, there are a couple of programs online where you can put your drugs in, see if they're drug interaction mm-hmm. uh, with uh, trileptal, he said, right? Yep. So we'll just look it up and see. I'm putting it into one of those um, systems right now and taking just a second. And uh, I'm, okay, okay, here, trileptal and taurine drug interactions, phase four clinical study. Wow. So drug interactions are reported among 21 people who take trileptal and taurine. Common interactions include insomnia. No shit. Oh, and the seizure among males. Okay. So uh, a phase four clinical study analyzes what interactions people who take trileptal and taurine have. Uh, I think that um, you got to talk to your neurologist, you know, before you do this. Now, Taurine is in every energy drink out there almost. Mm -hmm. So if it was a big problem, you'd think that we would have heard about it already uh, with trileptal because lots of people are on trileptal. But um, in a situation like this where we've got 21 cases, some of them were people having seizures, talk to your neurologist before you get on anything. you got to be really careful if you've got a seizure disorder, particularly about medicine, over-the-counter stuff. Because people think, well, if it's over-the-counter, it's totally safe. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not so fast. Yeah. It, it, these, all these drugs have interactions, and they can have adverse effects and stuff like that. So, oh. you know, if you are driving, the last thing you want is to have a seizure because in some states you lose your license for eight months 
others in six months for six months, but you're going to lose some freedom if you have a, a breakthrough seizure. So again, just talk to your neurologist. Okay, doke. Yep, that's a good one. That's a great one, Terry, the Boodmaster. The Boodmaster. All right. Um, here's one for the podcast, if you will. This is what this says. Hey, Doctor Steve. Here's one for the podcast, if you will. Yeah. So, okay, we all know why we have to sleep, you know, seven, eight, nine hours per night and how, it, you know, it helps your brain and your body just sort of detoxify and rest and all that. Yeah. Uh, do we know why a 10 or 20-minute nap is so good? It's crazy. Is there a scientific explanation? Uh, because, you know, sometimes I take a 10-minute nap and I feel like a new person. You Same. Know, like, say, one in the afternoon or something. So. Just wondering about that, if we have any real evidence. Okay, thank you. No, there is evidence that it's helped some people, but there's not evidence as to why. Mm. We don't know why we sleep. We, we can characterize all these, you know, circadian cycles, and we know melatonin's involved in there, and we know certain circuits shut off and other ones stay on. And, uh, uh, you know, but we don't know why. Now, I have narcolepsy, and when I drive down the road, sometimes my brain tries to kill me and says, let's just go to sleep now while you're going 70 miles down a mountain highway. Uh, totally fine. But if I pull over and then sleep, mm -hmm. I will sleep really soundly, and I'll wake up going, oh, shit, am I driving? Mm -hmm. And then, But then I feel like a million Oof. bucks. Yep. So... Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, there have been some studies that say that it can improve your memory, and that you may be able to do some executive functioning better if you take a nap. However, there is a downside to napping during the day, particularly if they're prolonged naps, and that's that it might affect your ability to sleep that night. Mm. So older people, particularly are probably going to sleep six to eight hours in a day. And if they sleep four of them during the afternoon, then they're only going to get four of them at night, right. most likely, if they're lucky. So you got to be careful. Um, Set a timer, folks. The apocryphal thing after. was that, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Edison would hold a pen in his hand. And then he would, when he fell asleep, he would drop the pen and it would wake him up. Hmm. And then he'd go back to work. So I do something like that. I hold my cell phone in my hand or whatever, if I, particularly if I'm pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> or, yeah, you can just set an alarm. Yeah. I think alarms a hell of a lot 15 safer minutes. dropping your... Tacey, you <laughs> nap, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. How long do you nap for? Oh, I'm a long napper. Oh, are you? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a 20-minute on the nose. I, I set got... my timer. I'm out. Well, I got time. Like right up. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you are retired. Well... Mm -hmm. Uh, this thing here that I'm reading says nap as short as 10 minutes can be beneficial. Oh, I can yeah. attest to that. Oh, shoot, yeah. Keep your nap to 30 minutes or less so you don't wake up feeling more tired. Nope. So you have this thing called sleep inertia. When you uh, sleep for a long time, then you're just like, oh, God, I can't get up. You know, I feel like you can feel groggy. <clears throat> and I always just imagine that's just whatever the sleep chemical is. That's running around in your brain, keeping you unconscious, is just taking that sweet time washing out. <laughs> yeah, you probably know. so. But anyway. Oh. 
All right. Yeah, I think nap, nap. Is there anything better than like a Sunday afternoon nap on like a... No. I wouldn't know. Oh, God. Honestly, you, I wouldn't you, know. I usually don't nap. Your dogs pile on top of you and everybody just goes... Out. Everybody's out. But everybody's if, out. If I fall I asleep it. in the parking lot, though, yeah. and then I wake up, I feel great. Oh, yeah, shoot you. You know, that's what you need to do. No, I do every every Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Well, good as for As long you. as we get out of here on time. Right. <laughs> if good. not, I just take a nap in the middle good of the show. Good for you. You guys wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't <right>. miss me. <laughs> hey, Steve, it's Mike from New York. Hey, Hope Mike. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, man. Understand from a few of your um, texts and uh, tweets, actually, uh, maybe trying some ketamine to help get yourself uh, back in order. Correct. Give me an idea. I know you like double-blind placebos. My wife's been acting a little nutty, so I had a friend. I gave him some ketamine, and I tell him, don't tell me when you're doing it, and don't tell her. We don't need to know. Double-blind. And so he drops it in her coffee now and again. What? Uh, how, how long should this go on before I report the results as if it's working or not? That's oh, one my part Lord. Of yeah. Oh, my Lord. I appreciate it. Feel better. Okay, wait a minute. So, um, here, where's, uh, okay, I, I got to call the, uh, Hello, is this the uh, Syracuse Police Department? I need to report a crime. <laughs> Stop it, Mike. Yeah, don't do that. Don't <laughs> he's do, don't he's do. fucking he's my best just friend. jiving you, man. I hope so, anyway. Yeah, he, I'm sure he is. Fuck. Surely to goodness, Mike is just kidding us. He's a josher, I'll tell you that. He, he likes to tell, tell him some stories. He surely does. <laughs> but I, no, I am uh, taking ketamine uh, prescribed by a physician for refractory depression. And I can't, uh, it's really indicated for people who have depression that is not relieved with other means or if people can't take the regular drugs. Okay. So SNRIs, SSRIs. Did we talk about this already? I know I talked about it on the Dabbler show. We've not gone into it much. Okay. We've not gone much. Well, we talked about dumping buckets of of serotonin into people. So people know what I'm talking about. So I can't take the SSRIs, SNRIs, and I couldn't take uh, bupropion either. Mm which is Wellbutrin, which is the one you usually put people on when they can't tolerate the other ones. And I'm not taking Xanax and stuff like that. I just don't need to be um, addicted to anything else. You know, I was I was habituated to uh, Lunesta, which is Ambien's younger brother or sister. And uh, I was taking three milligrams a day of that uh, religiously. I was sleeping good, but I knew I was habituated to mm-hmm. it. If I skipped a dose, I didn't sleep at all. So I weaned myself off of that. I went three and then two and then one and then a half and finally got myself off of it. So I'm just doing it all natural now. But anyway, so, the, yeah, the ketamine is really something. I'm doing the ultra low dose. Uh, I'm not – I don't want to be tripping balls. You know, that's not my no. my goal. Right. But if, if they had psilocybin, mm-hmm. I would do that instead. Mm-hmm. Because I think the data is just as good, if not better, for PTSD particularly. And that's a little bit of my problem. Yep. So, um, but psilocybin, thanks to Timothy Leary. And I, that's a, people get tired of hearing me complain about it. But, you know, the popularization of uh, psychedelics in the 60s cut all the research off for at least about 40 years. Mm-hmm. Nobody could get any funding. No. 
you know, because all they had in their head, because even the Democrats and Republicans both were socially very conservative during the 60s. And then you have these, quote unquote, dirty hippies tripping oh, balls, no. man. Oh, no. Going I around can, spreading love. I can and fly, man. Oh yeah, God, don't spread love <laughs> yeah, and don't kindness. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because yeah, they'll come come uh, after you for that then one. Then you got to be tripping if you're doing those kind of things. But anyway, people saw that and they're like, "Well, we're not funding that shit. Hell no." Right. But it's it's coming back. Psilocybin is running behind ketamine, but ketamine's got some good data. Psilocybin's got great data, and. Um, as I talked about on Bedabbler's show today, psilocybin actually could be FDA-approved, unlike marijuana. So marijuana can't be FDA-approved because it's a plant, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, their rule is it's got to be a single drug, or if it's more than one, it's got to be a fixed percentage Mm -hmm. or fixed ratio, Mm -hmm. and it has to be consistent plus or minus a certain number of percent from pill to pill. Now, you can't do that with a plant no. or even a gummy bear that you've extracted from a plant. So uh, the only THC that the federal government can approve is in a synthesized form called dronabinol, which is Delta-9 THC in pill form. Mm-hmm. It's sold as Marinol. We use it for chemo-associated nausea and vomiting and we can use it for people who have lost their appetite and stuff like that, too, because now it's generic. Insurance will pay for it. They wouldn't before. Uh, so you, But that's it for marijuana. You could pick out any of the other molecules, CBD. You can do it with that as long as it's cannabidiol. It's 100% cannabidiol <laughs> at a fixed uh, um, milligram amount. Mm-hmm. Then the FDA can approve it. Mm-hmm. So we use CBD for Dravet syndrome, which is a... A, um, a refractile or refractory seizures in children. children. Um, now, but marijuana itself, you can't do. Psilocybin, you can do because you go, well, m- mushrooms are a plant. Yes, but the active ingredient, there is muscarine in there and some other anticholinergic shit that we don't really care about. But the psilocybin is a single molecule that is synthesized readily synthesizable in the lab Hmm. that they could put in a pill and say, here's 2.5 micrograms or 2.5 milligrams or whatever the the dose is, do the studies. They can sell it, you know, and if they change one little molecule, they can patent it, Mm -hmm. you know, and they can make money. Yeah. And then make money off of it, which I'm, that's fine with me. If someone will just effing do it. Yeah. You know, if they need to be incentivized by money, which is what makes the world go around, don't you know? Oh yeah. Then uh, yeah, then Especially let them do, let them go for it. But we're just now finally shedding ourselves of that imagery from the '60s, and it's you know it's yep. mainly because all the old legislators from that time are all dead now. So <laughs> most of us that did it back then are dead. Now, so <laughs> all right, <laughs> I remember copping pot from a friend of mine in an alleyway behind this place where we could buy cigarettes. <laughs> and um, he had Panama Red, which that's what they called it. It was just marijuana. The red was kind of reddish. Yeah, well, there wasn't sense yeah. of back then. It was just <laughs> sticks and leaves and <laughs> seeds and stuff. And it was uh, nickel bag was a five was five dollars. <laughs> and the lid oh they called a lid, which turns out to be about an ounce, was just what you could jam into a film canister lid. That's why they called it a lid. Anyway, so you had a nickel bag, a dime bag, and a lid. 
And uh, so I bought a nickel bag because I had $5. And I remember telling this friend of mine, I was so nervous, I shoved the little baggie into my underpants and I went, I don't know you, dude. And what? <laughs> like, no, I do know you. I will see you tomorrow in class. So, so I'm really glad that things have changed. So that we, number one, the quality control is so much better. Oh yeah, and um, that we're very close to getting a federal law that's going to legalize it. Did you hear that they just finally did a federal banking law that mm-hmm. will allow dispensaries to use the banking system, even though a lot of places they are using it anyway. Mm-hmm. But now people will be able to just use their credit card or their debit card to pay, and uh, they finally came to their senses on that. That's, of course, yeah, agree, yeah. getting the money un- flow flowing correctly was the number one thing that they had to do before they're going to actually legalize it because they want to make sure they get their cut. Mm-hmm. Because doing it this way, they can keep track of it. When it's a cash business, it's a lot harder. So now they can make sure they get their taxes and all that stuff, which is fine. Tax it. Just make it legal. Yeah. Tax it like alcohol and get it out of the hands of the black market um, so that people aren't tempted to put buprenorphine in their pot that they're selling on the street because right. then it makes you more sleepy because they have pot in the dispensary that makes you sleepy. I mean, that's why that's happening. Yep. So uh, that's what I'm in favor of that. So I'm in favor of legalization. You should be able to grow your own, too. Yes, you should be able to grow. And then you know what you got? It's like growing your own tomatoes or basil in your backyard. That's right. It's right just on, like brother. it. Right on, brother. <laughs> I, I get I get kind of a high making fermented hot sauce, Ooh. not an actual high, but a you know I get a pleasure uh, center release just from doing it, mm-hmm. you know, fermenting it and processing it and making it into something that people enjoy. And so I love it. And oh, by the way, bump nobody cares about no. this. So. Can you please stop bullshitting? But um, bumper crop of Tabasco peppers this year. Ooh. All right. Okie doke. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Um, um, okay. I'm not playing that one. Let's see. <laughs> Good God. Are we still back in 2014? Now, I'm in 2015, and I'm glad I never saw this one. This one is, I can't play it. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's vile. Okay. Yeah, yeah don't um, do it. All right, let's try this keep us, one. Keep it clean. This is one from June 14th, 2015. I'm so sorry. Hey, Dr. Steve. I think I'm dying. I'm not sure. Oh, God. No. Oh, no. Here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> if you think Next. you're dying, don't call here. Don't call this. It's <laughs> 2015. Uh, we'll be the judge of that. damn headaches very rarely in the front, most of the time. They're in the back of my head, right at the bottom of my skull, in that damn soft spot where your spine meets your skull, yeah. whatever the hell it's called back yeah. there. Yeah. Am I going to have a this... brain aneurysm no, or no. a tumor or something like that? No. That I'm doesn't sound like sure. it. I've tried to look it up. I can't find nothing. No. And no... Well, it was 2015, and we didn't even have Google then. So you want to talk about these yeah. kinds of headaches? I was going to say, a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of times what you'll get is... Oh, this guy's still alive. Hey! Oh, no, wait. wait. Oh, oh no. I can't confirm that. I got a bunch of text messages from him about vaping, but that was February of 2015. So We cannot gonna, confirm or deny it. You talk. And real quick, when, when you start talking about, about headaches, of course, new onset headaches are always a, a concern, have them worked up. But in, in you know, most cases, we can... We can 
narrow them down to a few things. And what he's describing to me sounds a lot like a tension headache. Sure does. He's getting some. Yeah, he's getting. Okay. He's getting a. Give t- thyself a bell. That's what yeah. I was thinking too. Yeah, you know, and and what he's talking about the soft spot in the back is it, it, it's the um, occipital atlas ridge. Ooh, where the, I'm not giving you another bell, but that's well, yeah, it's where <laughs> the skull and the, and, and, and the spinal cord attach, oh. and there are a whole lot of really tight muscles and tendons and ligaments and stuff in there, and and they and it's to stabilize your head so your head is, is not flopping around all the time. Okay, he did text me just an update a month after this about vape pens and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's hope it's a it was a tensionetic. Tensionetics can be resolved yeah. without medication with proper therapy. Correct. Sometimes it's acupuncture. Sometimes physical therapy. Sometimes it's touch therapy, massage therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, craniosacral therapies, osteopathic manipulations, chiropractic, etc. So these these things. A lot of times, do not need um, to be treated medically with a okay pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of intervention for those. So hope you're okay. Yeah, we hope so. Anyway, if not, yeah, send us a. <laughs> if the headaches are different. Okay, here's one from June. <laughs> no, that was too long. We don't have enough time. Uh, let me see. Uh, let's try this one. Okay, this is from June 15, 2015. Hey, Dr. Steve. My name is Jason. I spent 20 years in the military and uh, acquired a hydrocele on my testicle. Okay, thank you for your service, by the way. While I was in. And uh, just concerned, my question is, uh, does this further along or does this, uh, does this actually cause testicular cancer or can it cause testicular cancer? Good, excellent question. So a hydrocele is a collection of fluid inside the scrotum and if you take uh we talked about this on the very first show if you take a a pen light put it behind your scrotum it will light up if it's a hydrocele with clear fluid and it will light up like et's finger those things are benign they can some some um urologists just leave them others if it's really bothering you can have it removed it's not a, a big deal but uh, to my knowledge there's no association between hydrocele's and cancer of any kind. So I hope that sets your mind at ease eight years later. Okay, very good. So before we get out of here, uh, Scott, you had uh, one from the Fluid family, which, by the way, you can join. Uh, follow my Twitter, at Weird Medicine, and usually Saturdays at 1 o'clock or thereabouts, uh, we record, and you can just hang out with us in the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Weird Medicine. Anyway, what do you got? Well, this was, is from Nonchalant Dawn. And he's wanting to know if, if it's normal to not sneeze when you've been on Suboxone. So evidently he's been on Suboxone <laughs> for two years and hasn't sneezed in two years. It's, okay, so Suboxone is buprenorphine. Mm-hmm. And it's a medication that uh, of the medication of choice for <clears throat> getting people off street opioids and maintaining them. Right. So that you can go to work. And you just go to your Suboxone clinic once a month or whatever and pick up your supply. Once a week. And do your thing. Well, it depends. Yeah. It depends on where you are. Oh, and, that's true. Um, and then you uh, can stay on it forever, mm-hmm. or you can wean yourself off of that mm-hmm. very slowly over time. Oh, yeah. So I advocate that when possible. Go to complete sobriety, but I understand that's not everybody's philosophy and not everybody can do it or wants to do it. So, uh, But sneezing, now, um, all these things are antitussive mm-hmm. in that they will decrease coughing. 
And but suppress I'm, histaminic response. Uh, well, that possibly might, would, that would keep you from sneezing. Yes, possibly. that's right. Yeah, I would so say. that may be that may be it. If if it's somehow stabilizing the uh, mast cells mm-hmm. that release histamine. Yeah, but I'm. Uh, that's interesting. I'm not. Let me. Have you, do you have any information in front of you on buprenorphine being antihistaminic? No, but I can look it up. Well, that was so. just my guess. Yeah. It would make sense. Um, I agree. So um, suboxone is the, yes. Suboxone is um, can be notoriously challenging to wean off of too. Um, yes, but you can go as slow as you want to at that right, point. Right. Yeah, I know yeah. some people take one quarter of a pill, and that's keeps them yeah comfortable. Yeah, and is, some of that you get to the point where it's a placebo. Incredible. Is buprenorphine. Well, you know, we could ask Echo while you're looking it up. Echo, is buprenorphine antihistaminic? According to First Data Bank, antihistamine and buprenorphine are different drugs. Antihistamine is a brand name for diphenhydramine HCL and buprenorphine yeah. is a generic okay, drug. Okay, Echo, stop. Name- Shut up. <laughs> God. <laughs> Not even uh, helpful in any way. Amazon has really got to get a large language model working with Alexa. I know they're worried that she's going to say something that they don't want her to say, but, you know, that's just not even useful. Mm -mm. So uh, I'm just looking right here on, on one particular one sheet that is dealing with buprenorphine. And if I can get the stupid thing. I can't find anything, Steve. Okay. Okay, here we go. It just says, before prescribing it, yeah, don't use it with antihistamines because it can cause um, increased um, uh, drowsiness. Sleepiness. We knew that. So I have no idea. Yeah. We'll have to get get back here. Maybe he's just taking better care of himself and he's not using street drugs and he's not snorting things. Maybe that's why he's not sneezing. Drugs.com Okay. Uh, they've got a little thread here with three answers, and people are talking about they have had not sneezed while they were on Suboxone. As soon as they started coming off, as soon as he started coming off Suboxone, started sneezing. So, what are they? Did anybody give a uh, hypothesis? No, no. Okay, I'm asking the AI. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll look up. We'll look it up. It says here sneezing is a side effect of buprenorphine. So I don't know. Who yeah, knows? Maybe that's very interesting. Yeah, maybe just a weirdo. Yeah, but I could. I'm kind of start, odd, huh? Now the bells are starting to be the, the alarm wheels are starting to uh, turn in my head, trying to think of a novel uh, way to uh, uh, treat perennial rhinitis with buprenorphine. But, all right, <laughs> I can't think of anything. All right, okay, well, uh, you got anything else? Nope, I'll do her. All right, well, thanks everyone. We really appreciate your Blankins. support. Blankins. Thank you. Check out Dr. Scott's website at uh, simplyherbals.net and listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. Best way to do it is on demand. If you have SiriusXM, you have an online account. Just listen to it on demand. It really helps, even if you just play it and have it in the background. That really helps. Uh, many thanks to our listeners, though, whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Thanks for hanging out with us. Fluid family yes. in the uh, waiting room on YouTube. Uh, go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, 
Check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking. Get off your asses. Get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.